Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have Stoner Van Houten, or he just goes by Stoner, but he has some firsthand experience up at uh, a notorious place called the Spawn Ranch, where at one point the Manson family resided. So, Stoner, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. How are you doing? Awesome. Well, I'm doing great. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. Before we get started, maybe what you can do is talk a little bit about your background and how you became interested in this area or associated with this area? Well, it started really, um, I was born and raised in uh, in Beverly Hills. I was adopted into a family in Beverly Hills in, in 85. Uh, unfortunately, my dad's um, business, he's a doctor there, he burned down and it kind of set us back and we ended up moving to the valley. And once we got there, uh, I was hanging out with some kids who took me up to the hills of Chatsworth. And, of course, the hills of Chatsworth, that's where the Manson family lived, near Spawn Ranch and the train tunnel. And we would just go up there as kids and party and mess around and drink beer and watch the train go by and really didn't think much of it. And we, and basically back then it was just the, the kids just told the other kids that story just to kind of scare them, really. That's what it was kind of like to go up there and just get scared on a Saturday night. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how it started. But then um, through my own problems, I went through a big, heavy drug use, and my life really was a mess for a very long time. And it wasn't until um, I had done some time in prison. I've done two terms in prison. I went, I've been to Corcoran, uh, where Manson was actually at. And then I just recently got out in 2011 from my second term uh, and had nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, and a friend of mine just happened to say, hey, man, there's this thing called YouTube. And I didn't even really know what that was about. Um, and they said, yes, if you go on YouTube, you could start a little you know, video thing, a little vlog, and, and tell people about stuff. And I said, well, about what? And they said, well, just you got to find something that's, you know, big right now. And true crime right now is huge. Uh, true crime, and I would say paranormal stuff are, are very big. So I said, well, I'm not going to do that paranormal stuff. I'll, I'll do something true crime. And sure enough, you know, I'm right there. I live five minutes away. Well, in Chatsworth, pretty much right from Spawn Ranch. So I started going up there and just showing pictures and telling little stories about it, nothing too intriguing, uh, and I kind of got really bored with that. Then I started taking care of the area, meaning, like, literally taking care of, like, cleaning it, getting rid of graffiti, taking care of the trails, kind of like something a park ranger would do, you know, maintaining the area. And once I started doing that, people started recognizing what I was doing, and they really liked it because they appreciated the fact that I was at least taking care of the area. I wasn't going down there to try to harm it in any way. And I was cleaning, physically cleaning the graffiti with my own time, my own money, and everything going down there with, you know, stuff to actually clean it. So I kind of got into that. And I just happened to come in at the absolute right time. The timing of this couldn't have been any better. Um, I don't think it could be done now. Because when I came out in 2011, 2012 was my whole experimental year with YouTube and trying to figure out really what to do. It wasn't really until 2013 that um, the movie Manson, Charles uh, Manson, the documentary from 1973 uh, filmed by Robert Hendrickson, that was coming out back onto the big screen in, in, uh, in West Hollywood. And I went to that premiere, and it was at that particular premiere where I met all the other groups of people who happened to be involved in the Manson world and in theory and all that stuff, you know, MansonBlog.com and CLOdrive.com and, and everybody else and gotcha. um, Michael Channels and everything. And so it was, and then also we met Robert Hendrickson. There was a Q and A. Uh, so that actually worked out really well. And I got to know them. They hired me. I started, they, they're the ones who suggested I start doing like little tours at the ranch. And I, I wasn't really thinking of doing that. And I started giving these, uh, which I do now too, are these little free hikes. I'll meet people there and just give them like a little free hike and walk around. 
Uh, at first, it started out very small. Now they actually get rather large, and I have to actually uh, work with the park service now. Now they would like me to buy a permit first before I do these large events. When you say large, how, how many people is that? I've had anywhere, oh man, dude, I've had 50 people. Oh wow, That's, that is huge. Yeah, you know, normally my tours, I would say, I, I normally get around 25. Uh, depending on the particular day and what reason why I'm having a certain tour, um, you know, um, it can get a lot more interest. Uh, I remember when <laughs> Manson's last birthday, when he turned 83, the last birthday he actually had before he died, I actually did a tour on his birthday, and that was the day I actually had 50 people show up. And it, I was I was amazed. I was like, oh my God. It was actually a lot more difficult than you can imagine. It's one thing to lead around 15 or 20 people, but when you have 50 people that you're responsible for, it takes a little bit longer to, to guide those people through, um, you know, sure. through a state park. So I just started doing it, and I, I just started getting recognized. And I really, like I said, I really came in at the right time meeting Michael Channels. Once I met him and he saw what I was doing, he just took me under his wing, and he was the one who really coaches, you know, coached me. He's friends with, with Manson. He's the one now that's fighting for Manson's estate against the so-called grandson, you know, Jason Freeman. Mm -hmm. you know, they go to court on the 17th. So uh, once, once I became friends with him, then he really took me in. And he thought for sure, okay, I'm, I'm going to teach you a lot of stuff about the case, and in a couple of years from now you're going to be really burned out and you won't want to do this anymore. And now it's been eight years later, and I'm more popular than ever. I've been on Netflix. I've been in books other that just came out, magazines. And it went from being a, a basic ex-con homeless guy to basically somebody saying do true crime and I did and I now I have a you know car a house a job <laughs> you know some respect I, I mean I, I would have I would have never thought I would have ever been on Netflix to tell you the truth something like that eight years ago there was just no way when you so, what were you what uh, what what program were you associated with on Netflix it's a, t a show called Dark Tourist Dark Tourist gotcha yeah season one episode eight is my um, I'm on there with Michael Channels and, and also Scott Michaels, who does a, a tour of Los Angeles as well. Dearly for departed for people who Channels. don't know Michael Channels, can you tell us who he is? Michael Channels is, well, if you've been paying attention ever since Manson died, Michael Channels is uh, Charles Manson's best friend. The media has dubbed him the pen pal, but really, they're really, really good friends. And he's known Manson for, God, well over 30 years or so before he died. And um, he took takes care of him, has a lot of memorabilia, has a lot of stuff from him. So he's the one who actually tried to get the body when Manson passed away, and that was the big lawsuit that was going on. It was between Michael Channels, Jason Freeman, Matthew Roberts, and uh, this woman who claimed to be the daughter. They threw out her. They threw out Matthew Roberts. They dismissed Michael Channels' will because he actually had a will from Manson, but they said it was invalid. And then they gave the body to Jason Freeman, who never legally prove that he really was Charles Manson's grandson. I personally do not believe that Jason Freeman is Charles Manson's grandson by blood. He's only his grandson by paper. Uh, but he won the body anyway. And now they're fighting for the um, the estate. And they go back to court, as a matter of fact, on the 17th of this month at uh, L.A. Superior Court. L.A. Superior Court. What do you think the value of Charles Manson's estate is on a yearly basis? Oh, that's, well, not as much as you would think because you have to do something with I think... What I think is going to happen is whoever wins the estate, they're going to use that and then make their own little documentaries and stuff like that. It's not like they have, okay, you get the rights to, basically what you get here from what I've been told is you get the rights to his image and his name. Also, there is some music left behind, but none of the real good stuff that's already been published because that already actually is owned by copyright by other stuff, but it's a lot of other music 
that they had that you could possibly sell to somebody and make a little money on that. Plus, everything that was left in his cell, um, Jason Freeman's attorney has it all in a special locker, which they have a list of everything that's in there, and then whoever wins also gets that, which could be sold to a museum, which Jason Freeman will do. He'll sell his stuff to um, Zach Bagans, who owns a haunted museum in Las Vegas. He's been selling him everything so far. Uh, anytime, anytime anything comes up for sale for about Manson, Zach Bagans is right there to buy it. <laughs> Interesting. What, uh, I mean, isn't Charles Manson getting revenues, or isn't the estate getting revenues for the use of his likeness? No. Nothing. There's no, right mm-hmm. now... There is nobody owns his likeness or image or anything. So you can make a T-shirt, stickers, anything. Now you can, and you won't get in any trouble. That's why there's so many shirts and stuff. You can just go on Google and just type it in. You'll see right. everybody does it. Right. It's not illegal. Not yet. Now, once the estate is settled, then it will be different. Everything else that's out there can still go, but I don't think you can make a book or movie or something with his image or name or anything without the permission. But also, you have to remember the um, victims' families now can actually sue whoever. And they will. I'm sure Deborah Tate's going to, you know, be watching this as well to see who wins the estate. Because then they can either sue them and say, "If you make any money, you got to give us some," or they can make a deal without having to sue them, where they say, "Look, if we make anything, we'll give you a check right. as well." Right. Uh, well, there. I mean, some of these like deceased, you know, famous people, their estates are still generating significant amounts of money, and they have lawyers, and you know, they enforce their rights. They enforce their copyright, you know, rights. So. Right, but Manson is not as popular as I'd say as Elvis or Michael Jackson. True. He might be known as much as him, but his wealth and stuff won't generate the music and stuff. That's why Elvis' stuff will sell forever. True. It's because everybody loved Elvis, you know. But Manson, True. the name might be known forever, but as far as making it, I think people are really jumping the gun here on, on the whole Manson thing. It's not as much money as people think. There was money left behind when Manson died, but the money that was in his books went right to the, uh, that went to California. They took it. Gotcha. There was, I heard. I heard there was four thousand dollars in his account. That all went to the state of California, so they took that right off the bat. <laughs> right, it's not really comparatively not that much. I thought that Charles Manson had known uh, children who, you know, had children. He had children. No, he has children. He had three real sons. Two of them have passed. He had Charles uh, Luther Manson. Then he had um, Charles Manson Jr. And then he has Michael Bruner. Two of his sons have passed away. The only real son left is Michael Bruner. He's still alive and well and doing fine, and his he's had you know and he has children and he you know so the Manson bloodline will continue. It's Jason Freeman who's really been on the news and TMZ and all this stuff because he won the body. He's running around America saying I'm the grandson, I'm the grandson, but technically he's never proved it, blood wise, DNA wise. You know his mom, in my opinion, you know just dated Charles Manson's son, and then she took him to court for you know they weren't even married. It took him to court, to, you know, for alimony or something like that, for money for the kids, and he didn't show up to court. And then she ended up winning, and they put his name on the paperwork, and so legally he became the father. And the next thing you know, this guy ends up killing himself, not because of that, but it, I mean, it could have been one of the things. I mean, they said the reason that he killed himself was he was fed up with you know having to move from town to town and who he was and being found out and losing jobs and losing apartments because he's Charles Manson Jr. Right. Uh, he had a gambling, uh, not a gambling, excuse me, he had um, he owed some money to some weird people, maybe some you know loan sharks, and there's no way he's going to pay it back. Plus, he has this woman who's now taking him to court who wants him to take care of two children who aren't his. And next thing you know, this guy puts a gun to his head and shoots his head off. And, <laughs> um, so I'm not, a lot of things left, you know, in his life just went wrong. And the thing with Jason Freeman is just, 
what everybody would like to see is him take a DNA test and just really prove that you really are Manson's grandson, which I, from everything that I've seen and we've tried to get reports on, which is very difficult to get on this guy. This guy, like, it's, it's, you know, it's really hard to kind of get the info you need. Uh, it just, nothing adds up gotcha. uh, to him actually being the actual grandson. But it doesn't really matter now. The state of California recognizes him as the grandson, so, it, you know, he'll probably end up winning the estate. I think he will. I mean, I, I would like to see Michael win it, but I have a feeling Jason's just going to win. <laughs> so what else is going on with, like, the Spawn Ranch and, uh, you know, the whole Manson milieu? Well, right now you have the you know 50th anniversary coming up. That's the big thing. In a couple of weeks now, about four weeks from now, August 9th and 10th is the 50th anniversary. And there's so much going on, it's ridiculous. Even today, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the house that Lino and Rosemary LaBianca were killed in, it just went up for sale today. Oh, I, did. uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. You know, it, what, uh, yeah, what, are they, what are they trying to get? I mean, it's in a nice part of town, Los Feliz. It's in Los Feliz. They're trying, right now they're trying to get $2 million. Wow. Yeah, right. The house, last time the house sold was in '98 for three hundred and seventy-five thousand. In '98, wow. now they want two million for a two-bedroom, one and a half bath, no central air. Wow, that's tiny. And they want, yeah, tiny, right? Oh. Tiny. I mean, they haven't. The house is the original house. It's really the only thing original left, really, from the Manson case. I mean, Cielo Drive is gone. Even Gary Hedman's house is gone. Uh, a lot of the places are gone. Waverly, the house is still the original house. They've just taken the exterior and just changed the front and, and you know redone the backyard and stuff. But the house is still original. Do you original think? House. Do you think the notoriety of the event that happened there has affected pricing in any way? Okay, uh, yeah, added it. I mean, added. in most cases, I in most cases, I think that the, the the house would go down depending on what happened there. Not in this case. They, the house, to me, honestly, if it's the three hundred seventy-five thousand ninety-eight compared to now, I would say the house is probably worth one point five million if a murder never happened there. Now, because it's tied to the most infamous murder, I swear to God, I think they added on another million. It's like, wow. look, let's just. So you think that somebody money. who's like a Manson aficionado or a Manson group yeah, or something in that case, yeah, we'll do like it. Trent we'll Reznor, look who, look who bought Cielo Drive when that was for sale. That was Trent Reznor. About you know a band you know Nine Inch Nails right. and he bought it and he's a little bit weird and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Marilyn Manson or one of these kooky rock and roller guys you know at least goes and looks at it. <laughs> well, Cielo Drive, I think they recorded uh, Downward Spiral in there, right? Yeah. So they recorded right. Downward Spiral. Now that whole building was raised. I mean, it was a tiny little place, and it's a huge. Like mega mansion on there now, right? With a beautiful. I view. think it would be. I think it'd be weird if Trent Reznor buys the house and then records an album in, and then he can say he lived in both houses and then record albums in it. I mean, but it, it's so tiny. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody really can. I don't think any famous person can buy it. It wouldn't hold all their stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's. I mean, the square footage it's is probably sixteen hundred square feet. Yeah, it's it's extremely tiny. If you're gonna look, I would say like. Someone buy it and then just leave it there. Don't actually live in it, but then use it somehow to make some money. Like Zach Baggins, the music, or Scott Michaels, or one of these people to use it. And then you just every now and then you have a tour of the house or something. I don't know, but you know what I mean. I, first of all, I can't see anybody famous wanting to live there because it's too small. That's the right. only reason why. Right. Um, but but I can see them buying it because of the infamacy of the house, and then somehow trying to make a little bit of that money back. <laughs> What else is going on? I mean, there's this movie that's coming out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that I could have swore. Oh, yeah, there's so much, what, what there's you, so much going on. Yeah, yeah, the Quentin Tarantino movie, Once right. Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's on July 26th. And that's uh, the very next day, July 27th, is the 50th anniversary of when Gary Hemman was killed by Bobby Bosley. Oh, wow. That's the very next day. That's the very next day. 
have um, the Charles Manson exhibit by uh, Lethal Amounts Gallery in downtown Los Angeles. They're doing an exhibition, uh, exhibit, excuse me, uh, an exhibit uh, the 8th, the 9th, the 10th, and 11th, where they're going to be showing you uh, artwork, all kinds of Charles Manson stuff and never before seen stuff to the public. It's all Charles Manson exhibit for four days at the Lethal Amounts Gallery. Then the real big thing that's really going on, um, well, before I get to that, the one thing I'm doing during that week from August 2nd through August 9th, I'm doing a personal tour. I'm calling it the Helter Skelter Live Tour. For one week solid, I'm taking people around Los Angeles to show over 40 different Manson family sites, uh, which will end on the 9th. Uh, and how, week do, how do people find out about that? How can they sign up or go to check that out? Um, if you want more information on that, you can just go to my email address, which is stoner420fox at yahoo.com. If anybody happens to be in L.A. during that time and wants to join us, you uh, can send me an email, and uh, I'll let you know where we can meet for breakfast each day, and then you know we can all go. You, can, you guys can tag along with us. I mean, the, the, the tour is totally free. Everything I do is free. You just have to pay for, obviously, your own lodging. And then probably your car and just follow us. You know, we'll all meet for breakfast, like I said. And then we'll, I have an, artin- uh, an itinerary for each day of what we're doing. And it's everything from Spawn Ranch to Venice Beach to Topanga Canyon to El Coyote Cafe to Benedict Canyon, what Waverly Drive, sp- Spiral Staircase. I mean, like I said, it's over 40 different sites. It's a lot to see. Plus, I'm throwing in some other little things like a, a private tour of the Whiskey A Go Go on the Sunset Strip. I know someone that works there can who's let me in before with another small little group and we can go in there. It's actually kind of cool when you go in there <laughs> and you, no one's in there. You have the, the time just to take videos and pictures and learn the history of it. So like little things like that, that's what I'm doing the, during that right, time. And the, and then, I'm sorry, continue. So uh, that's August 2nd through the 9th. And then the real, here's the real big event, really. This is the big one. It's Saturday, August. Um, or actually, you know what? Before I even get to that, let me tell you another thing that's going on. Scott Michael from Dearly Departed Tours, Artifacts and Museum in Santa Monica, California. He's doing a three-day event August 8th, 9th, and 10th. The 8th is sold out, which is an El Coyote dinner where you join him and some special guest speakers. I don't, They haven't announced who it is, but they'll be at the El Coyote Cafe sitting at the actual booth for dinner. That event's sold out. August 9th, he'll be showing the screening of Valley of the Dolls. He's going to do like a tribute to Sharon Tate because nobody's doing that. He wants to do a little tribute to Sharon Tate. So he'll be showing Valley of the Dolls with a dinner. Also, Sharon Tate's uh, body double who played, who was her stunt double in the films, will be giving a speech and, and talking about Sharon for that particular event. There's still tickets left for that. And then on uh, August 10th, Scott Michaels is doing his full Helter Skelter tour, which is completely sold out. I mean, he's doing things that he's actually never even done before. And normally his tours are like three hours, and that's going to be like an eight-hour tour. So, yeah. Right. So, people who don't know, El Coyote was the last place that they had dinner, right? Wasn't that it? Dinner. That was August 8th. August 8th is when they had their last dinner, and they were uh, murdered after midnight around 1.30 or so. So, that's why it's it's said on the paperwork August 9th. Right. So, So El Coyote is a restaurant. I think it's on Melrose, or is it Sunset? On Beverly. Beverly. Sorry. It's on Beverly. It's still there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been there since uh, 1930, I believe, and it's um, the, uh, oh, I don't have my glasses on, the uh, address is actually 7312 Beverly Boulevard, that's what it is, right. um, and they went there and had their last meal, and Sharon Tate only had beans and rice, and some people are like, hey, how do you know that, and it's funny, because uh, all you have to do is just read the coroner's report. <laughs> yeah, right, well, I actually just saw her, I was watching Eye of the Demon, she was in another movie before... Um, 
before Rosemary. No, I the devil. I the devil. Yeah, I the devil. Yeah, called I the devil. Twenty. I think she was twenty three at the time, and she was really good. She's a good actress. I thought. I thought she was good. So. She's not bad. I just watched the Wrecking Crew, and uh, with Dean Martin and her in it, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's all it's actually not so bad. That was the movie where Bruce Lee was training her and stuff like that. So she gets in a little like karate fight with this other girl. It's actually uh, kind of interesting because I had never, honestly, I had never watched any of her movies before until this year. I finally actually watched one. <laughs> I never, I'd never seen any of her movies, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just watched that, and then I saw the one that you're talking about too, Eye of the Devil. When you are talking, just to go back to the the things on display of a Charles Manson, did they ever keep that strange jacket that was sewn for him by the women? Do you remember that they, there was some kind of yeah, the one that they embroidered for him during the trial while they were out front and on Temple and Broadway? That is gone and it's been destroyed. Oh, Manson okay. in the county jail actually cut it up himself and actually gave it away as like for pieces to people as either as gifts or protection or something like that. Uh, but yeah, Manson actually physically cut that up himself and, and gave it away. So that, that, that best is gone. Do you know what they'll be showing that were items of his at the museum? Do you know what, uh, things no, um, I know the people, well, no, they, they're not, they're not saying cause they kind of okay. want it to be a surprise, but mm-hmm. what they're, I know the people whose stuff they're um, showing and it's John S. Mills is a good friend of mine. And he did a Manson movie in the seventies as well. Uh, famous. He actually was a, a famous rock photographer, and then he kind of then from there he kind of got really heavily into the case. Um, they're showing a lot of his stuff. Plus, I have some other friends who have a lot of personal man's and stuff that which they're showing. All they're just saying is most of the stuff that they're showing has never been seen before, and it's Charles Manson stuff. And I've seen a small amount of it. Like I just recently saw a photo of um, this is really going to blow your mind. A colorized photo, 1942, Charles Manson, eight years old in Kentucky. Interesting and. People are having a big problem with it because of the colorization, but this is the source is absolutely real and more to come. And people don't realize the real story behind um, behind the photo. And a lot of pop- people are trying to say it's, it's, it's there's no way, there's no way, but really there is. And there's a lot of behind this, and it will all come out during the uh, 50th anniversary. But that's not even the real big thing. I mean, I still have I'm still saving the best for last. Okay. Uh, besides that exhibit with lethal uh, lethal um, lethal amounts gallery. The real big uh, thing is in Los Angeles, uh, Nicholas Schreck, who wrote the book, um, The Manson File, the, um, the Myth and Reality of an Outlaw Shaman. He has been studying the Manson case for a long time, and we actually do believe his theory on the drug theory and stuff like that. And his book is wonderful. And he did a movie called Manson Superstar, and he'll be sh- screening the 30th anniversary of that movie, and that's where he went to the prison to interview Manson. And it's one of the best interviews with Manson, with Nicholas Schreck. So Nicholas Rex is going to be performing with his band first, for, uh, playing some music that they made, especially for the 50th anniversary. Then they're going to be showing the screening of his movie. Then it will be a Q&A with Nicholas, and he's bringing an original member of the Manson family, but he's not saying who until you get there. You have to buy tickets for this. It's limited space, and you have to get the tickets now because it will sell out. I already got my tickets for it because everyone's like, who's he going to bring, who's he going to bring? And it's like, hey, just, you just got to wait. Um I I can you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I don't want to give any guesses out but I've met members of the Manson family myself gotcha. so to me it's not you know not that big of a deal and because of what I've done this goes back to what we we're talking about earlier me doing the YouTube stuff I've never once ever tried to get hold of Manson family members they all came right to me interesting and said what what are you doing and what do you what are you saying about us and Bruce what is the name of your YouTube channel just just to 
Oh, my YouTube channel is called Spawn Ranch Worker. I actually sent you uh, I think an I email. Of, I forgot. Yeah, uh, I sent you an email um, of my uh, theme song. So if you want to, okay. I don't know if you want to use it or not, you can. So Spawn yeah, Ranch. it's Spawn Ranch Worker on YouTube. Gotcha. And uh, so there, I mean, so there's a lot. And I think some people consider Shrek's uh, biography of Manson, and there's been so many books. They consider yeah. it the best, really the best one. It, it, it is. It is really, really. It's definitely on, going to be one of the books on my Mount Rushmore of Manson books. I would say that book, uh, George Simpson's book, is very good. Goodbye, Helter Skelter. Even though it's a different theory, um, see, the only two theories that I think is well, there's three theories on the case. There's if you want to believe Vincent Bugliosi's Helter Skelter, that's one. Then there's the Nicholas Shred drug theory. Um, then there's also George Simpson's theory, which is the copycat killing to try to get Bobby Beausoleil out of prison now me personally i actually kind of think it's a mixture of the two the drugs and the bobby boussoulet thing because the bobby boussoulet thing with gary henman has really nothing to do with tex watson if you think about it tex watson gary henman is the only person tex watson didn't kill he killed everybody else i mean he killed eight people and a baby but he didn't kill gary henman and the whole henman thing is all bobby boussoulet has really nothing to do with tex and tex really wouldn't care less to save Bobby, he doesn't care about it. It's just the girls like him, and Leslie Van Halen was his girlfriend, and they're trying to work on something. Meanwhile, over on the other side, you have Tex Watson, Linda Kasabian, you know, doing drug deals with Vortex Rakowski, possibly Billy Graham, uh, hanging out with uh, on Cielo Drive, Mama Cass's house, Jay Sebring, and they're doing things behind the back of Sharon. She, Sharon didn't realize the entire time she was in Europe while Gibby and uh, Vortec were in her house, they were having parties and having people come over, hanging out with Mama Cass. And Mama Cass was known to hang out with many drug dealers. There was, I mean, they were basically just junkies, uh, like, you know, Billy Doyle and a bunch of other people that were coming around there. So there was a lot going on there. And then once, once Sharon came back from Europe, which honestly is right around this time, uh, I, uh, actually, she came back from Europe, I believe, on the same day as the moon landing, which is coming up. So July 20th of this month will be the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And that's when Sharon came back from Europe uh, on that day. And her and her mother, Doris, and Patty and Deb were at the Yellow Drive, and they were watching the moon landing together. That was the very last time Doris Tate saw her daughter, which I thought is, I think it's kind of weird it's July 20th, and she still won't be killed for many, you know, for a couple more weeks. That you know, her mom didn't stop by the house. She admitted to calling her on the phone all the time, but she never physically saw her again after the moon landing. So now we know the time when Sharon comes back. So you know, if, so if it was 50 years ago today, we would know today right now that Sharon would be in Europe, not realizing that the uh, the end is uh, getting close. <laughs> so, what was the other book? Did you ever read? Uh, was it the Garbage People? Do you do you remember that book that had the second? Yeah, there, there's so many books. Going back to the book thing, though, um, the only books that I really like would be the you know the Nicholas Shrek book and the George Stimson book, but also the Tom O'Neill book that just came out. Right. That one is really causing a stir right now. You know, the book Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the '60s by Tom O'Neill. It's got some uh, amazing stuff in it that really proves that Bugliosi lied. I mean, oh, this book here. Oh, this book shows you, it proves you that Bugliosi lied. And there's a great chapter, or there's a great part of the book where um, he interviews Bugliosi, and Bugliosi knows this guy. He does everything in his power to let him know this book cannot come out. I'll sue you for $100 million, all this stuff. I mean, you can just tell Bugliosi was just pompous asshole who did not want this book out. And this was supposed to come out like, like 25 years ago, <laughs> but it never did until now. 
now it fully exposes Bugliosi as a liar, and it has the proof. What's he lying? What's he lying about? Is he lying about? He was lying about. He's lying about actually making up the helter skelter theory to convict Manson. He needs Uh, to come up with this kooky thing about him being a co leader and controlling the girls and having powers to to actually get the conviction. There's no other way to do it. If he if he doesn't say the Beatles wrote the song and all this stuff and the race war. Well, see what what I don't understand is people say that oh Manson was a racist. If Manson was a racist, why would he let black people kill white people, go hide in the desert, and then come out of the hole, and then say, okay, Blackie, we'll take it over from here, and then work with the blacks? It's like, you just said he was a racist. Why? So now you're saying he's going to come out and control the blacks and work with them and be cool with them? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, the fact that the Beatles wrote a song and Manson hears it, and he thinks black people are going to rise up and they need to go hide in the desert, to me, is a ridiculous theory. That is just absurd. Um, there was a lot going on at the time that you may know, you know, in the 60s, you know, they had, you know, the Watts riot. There was all kinds of stuff. Right. All it was was black people just wanted to be treated equally. That's all it was. They're not going to take over the world. They were just upset at the time. There was a lot going on, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and all that stuff. And, you know, so it just looks like, hey, man, black people are really getting pissed off. Well, they just want to be treated equal, man. It's not as, it's not as dramatic as you think. <laughs> right. You know, uh, but... Well, it's interesting. O'Neill's have- book just dropped uh, the 25th of June. And he actually gave a press conference, I think, on Sunset last night. Here in yeah, LA. last night he was for free. Yeah, yeah. for free. He was, yeah, was, that's right. There was a, he was doing a thing last night for free where you can go down there and talk to him. Uh, believe me, if I was back in LA, I would have went to it. Uh, I have. <laughs> I actually have a copy of it right here. I have it open right here on my computer. Oh, nice. So I mean, he's got uh, some interesting uh, information uh, back up from San Francisco. Yeah, no, the book's great. Yeah, I, did, I got the book myself too. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get through that book right now, and the new, uh, the brand new Shorty Shea book by Edwin Call, uh, Collin. Uh, I actually helped out on that book too as well. Uh, and that's a really good book about Shorty Shea getting deep into his life all the way up until his death. Um, it's a lot easier to read. It's a smaller book, so everything's coming out right now because of the 50th anniversary. Believe me, everybody's taking advantage of it. With the house, like for Waverly Drive being sold today, believe me, the estate lady knows. The realtor knows what they're doing four weeks prior to the 50th. Right. They can get the $2 million. Dollars. They, right. they know what they're doing. If it was this time last year, nobody would really care too much. All right, whatever. But right before the 50th, same thing with Tarantino, with Nicholas Shrek, with myself, with Scott Michaels, anything you know that has yeah. to do with Manson. But it's going to be all um, over the news. They're, every major oh, media is going to touch this story. If not, they're yeah, going to come and to L.A. And it's going to be all over the news. And let me just yeah. tell you this. Um, <laughs> Mark my words, I wouldn't be surprised on August 8th when they have the Last Supper at, you know, there is a group of people who are actually having, and that's Scott Michaels who's doing that. Now, I'll be at the El Coyote Cafe with my own group of people, but we're not going to sit in that spot. We'll just be somewhere else in the restaurant because there's actually going to be a couple different groups there. But um, that particular night when you're done with dinner, a lot of people like to drive up to Cielo. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if they had a security guard blocked off with some kind of barricade at the bottom of Cielo telling nobody that they could walk up there. Yeah, normally that's yeah. what we, what's with you. That would not surprise me, trust me. Yeah, I've uh, been by there. They changed the address for people who don't know. So, like, the street doesn't look anything the same as it did um, 50 years ago. I actually was just down there last month and walked up during the day and didn't have a problem at all. Interesting. I mean, I literally just, we just pulled over, we just walked up. I was up there, I was at the gate for, like, I don't know, 35 minutes and making a couple of videos. And they have cameras out there, and they know we're out there. That's they awesome. have cameras out there. And I still was out front for 35 minutes during the day, and nobody said shit. You know, and I know um, that guy that lives there with David Olden, too. He lives on the block there. He thinks his house is um, 
haunted by Jay Sebring, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> that's actually, and he has those uh, paranormal parties there because he, he lives on Cielo Drive, and he has these really big. Um, Who's the person who lives there? I don't know. His name's David Omen. He has a house that he bought um, right. He, you know, there's like four houses that are right next to the um, Cielo House. You know. Gotcha. And uh, he he bought a house up there, and ever since he bought it, he's been having paranormal activity. Now he's turned the house into a famous paranormal house, where he you know TMZ and all these paranormal people go up there, and he gives tours where you pay like a hundred bucks for a ticket, and they have all these you know psychics and weirdos up there, and weird things happen. And if you go into his house, he actually has a big picture of Sharon like over the fireplace, out of respect to Sharon because he lives on you know on the block. Um, he also now here's what's really creepy. <laughs> The house that's next door to him is the original. There's only two original houses that were there when Sharon lived there. And Winifred Chapman, the maid, when she left screaming the house to go get help, the house that she went to to go use the phone, that's the house that he lives next door to. He actually rents that house out to people who want to sleep there for a night. Like, if you want to sleep in the house that the maid went to to go get help, <laughs> you can for like, 12, for like 1200 bucks. <laughs> And he rents it out. <laughs> well, he gets it. Wow, good for him. That's, uh, that's a pretty you know, penny. Everything that has to do with anything. I mean, I don't know if this house is really haunted. The house, he bought the lot, and then when, once he built the house there, um, it became um, haunted. And now well, he has like a little movie or something called The it's, House on the Hill. It's a something. great story. So why, why let the truth get in the way of a good story? And it raised the value of his here. house. It really raised the value of his house. Sure. <laughs> I bet. Um, I mean, it's in a nice location. Cielo is really just right off of what is it, Benedict Canyon, or is it? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It's in a great location. I wish I would have yeah. bought. It. I know for a fact uh, he only bought the lot. He paid forty thousand. That's it. Wow. Forty thousand. That's amazing. For that, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. I mean, it's insane. Now the house is you know millions, millions of dollars. <laughs> what uh, What else is going on coming up? Um. Really, that's really about it, really, because, um, I, look, I've, I've kind of said this before, and the Manson family stock right now is very high, but after the 50th anniversary, the hype won't ever be as big as it is right now. You know, my generation of people who are my age, we were the last generation to have a living Manson, and now the next generation will really never know um, what it's like to have one, because I've had friends that knew him when they were on the phone. Manson actually even knew about me. I never talk to him. I never got a letter from him, but he knew of me because he would call Michael and um, he would talk. There actually is a recording on YouTube of Michael talking to him about me. Like, hey man, I get a lot of letters from your friend who's saying he goes to the ranch and he gives tours. Like, what the hell's going on? I, Manson did not know that the ranch had been turned into a state park until I told him. I'm like, it's a state park now. And he's like, what? He told Michael, he's like, yeah, I heard it's a state park. And Mike's like, yeah, it's a state park, dude. You know, not like with swings and all that kind of stuff. It's just a regular park, and nobody touches it. Nothing's been developed on it. And Manson was like, perfect. That's the way it should be. Just leave it alone. Just don't do anything to it. Yeah, he didn't even know they turned it into a state park. (laughs) What do you expect? I mean, so you've probably had uh, communication with all of these amateur authors and sleuths about the Manson case for decades, or for the last decade, I should say. Oh, yeah, I get, I get all kinds of emails from people that I'm working on this. I worked with, uh, like, the worst, honestly, one of the worst projects I ever worked on was uh, Fox News reporter Lise Wheel, who the one who, who sued, you know, Bill O'Reilly for, like, sexual harassment. Oh, she, she did a, Yeah, she did a Manson book, and she got a hold of me, and um, she hired me to be the location manager to make sure they were filming these little, making these little videos. 
they hired me to, to be the location manager to make sure they were filming in the right spot. And then once I met her, they said, hey, would you like to be in the video with us? And I said, I don't believe in your theory. I, I've read your book, and it's, I think it's horrible, but I'm just here to, you know, make a little money on the side, you know, I, you know just to make sure you're filming in the right spot. I don't mind doing that. Just because I don't believe in your book doesn't mean I won't help you out with the location thing. Um, but I don't want to be, you know, a part of this. And then they offered me more money. I was like, all right, I'll be a part of your thing here. So I made four videos with her. We went to, like, you know, Spawn Ranch, and we went to Gary Henman's house and Temple and Broadway and Pega Canyon. And the book is just horrible. It's called Hunting Charles Manson. I've seen uh, that. Yeah, I've seen that title. Oh, God, it's horrible. But um, And I know Caitlin Rother, who helped her, too. She's, I mean, I like them, and they're friends of mine, but I just the book was terrible. But believe me, I get a lot of people who just work on stuff. That Shorty Shea book was the last thing where I got uh, a mention in it, where people just want my advice, or they just want to go down to the ranch to see what they're going to write about. You know, like they wanted, like, hey, can you can you can you meet me at the ranch? And I just want to get an idea, and it gives you know, as a writer, or I actually get a lot of college kids who are studying to become uh, investigators, oh, who are taking classes in in college, and they're like, you know, I'm studying to do this, I'm doing crime, but I'd like to go down to the ranch, I'd like to talk to you about a case, I'm writing a paper, I'm like, okay, so, <laughs> and I talk to them about the case, it's kind of cool, man. I get a lot of college students actually those emails from people who just want some advice on something that they're working on for a project in, in college. Have you ever? Have you ever heard the story of Charles Manson associated with the Solar Lodge or the Solar Temple by USC? Have you ever heard that story? No, I haven't. But I know that there's just a lot of different things that people try to associate him with. Now, yeah. I'm basically, my whole thing really is just, and I try to tell people, I'm not really trying to, here to try to solve the case. I'm, I have my idea of how I feel about the case and my own theory, but my whole thing is really Spawn Ranch and to explain to people what went on there. Now, I've been in contact with George Spahn's family, and they even wanted to know what I was doing. And I, I interviewed them at the ranch just to help them rectify their name, and they actually gave me their blessing. Oh, like we, we, Yeah, we actually appreciate what you're doing. You're taking care of our grandpa's land and stuff like that. And I was, I was amazed when they got a hold of me. I thought they were a little bit mad at me at first, but no, they, they just wanted to make sure. They came on a little strong at first, which everybody does. And once they realized my intentions, they're like, okay, okay, okay. You're not really trying but to do anything horrible. The, the ranch was an old movie set. Is any of that stuff still remaining? Are there any of those no. buildings still? All those buildings are gone. No, already. everything's been burned down. And, and believe me, if anything was there, it would just be vandalized anyway. So I'm kind of glad nothing was there. Trust me, it would be there would be a lot of vagrants there. It'd be vandalized kids there. The haters would probably burn it down. I mean, something bad would have happened. So I'm glad nothing's there anyway because it, it wouldn't be there. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Um, we're at 40 minutes. Is there anything that we missed or anything that you would like to add or anything about that? Yeah, I think people. I think I just really want people to understand I'm only doing this as more as a hobby and something to, to keep me out of prison. Believe me, like I said before, when I got out of prison, I had nothing. I lived under a bridge, and I really had nothing. And this thing with YouTube, I think I might be the only person on the planet that can say I took the most morbid subject of Los Angeles, the Manson family, and I turned it into something very positive for my life. I mean, being a YouTuber and, and a girlfriend and a job and a car and a house, and I have my own museum. I have my own personal museum. I'm actually sitting in it right now of just a lot of, you know, it looks like Spawn Ranch in here and, and the Manson family. It, you know, people would love to come and see it, but I don't allow anyone to come to my house. Um, I have things here from Manson family members personally given to me by, I know Sandra Good and, and Lynette Fromey has, has, has given me some um, things to have here in my museum, some really nice pieces as well. And I've met, you know, Steve Grogan and I've met Barbara Rosenberg. Um, these are members of the Manson family and uh, everything seems to be fine. I've also met Michael Bruner, you know, Charles Manson's son. Um, and he, he gave me his blessing to everybody and George Spawn's family. 
so I've met everybody associated around with this, and everyone's like, okay, man, you aren't doing anything wrong. You're just taking care of the land. Yes, you're telling the story. I just want people to know that I'm not trying to do anything evil or start a cult. I'm just trying to tell people the history of Spawn Ranch. And unfortunately, Spawn Ranch has 75 years of history, but all anybody wants to remember really is just the summer of 69. Right, that's interesting. And the whole... The place, I mean, that's where the very first Marlboro commercial was ever filmed. Episodes of Bonanza were filmed there. The Lone Ranger's been there. I mean, just, I mean, there's a lot of good historical stuff, but all everybody wants to talk about, well, the summer of 69, the summer of 69, and that's really it. I mean, I, on any given day when you're at the ranch or you're at that area of the state park, you'll see one or two, it's not like it's flooded with people, but you definitely get looky lures who want to come. And I have a feeling right after the Tarantino movie comes out, I have a feeling that's when you're going to get a surge of people. Even my numbers on YouTube, I think, are going to go up. More people looking for videos who might want to go to the ranch now or go to Corriganville where the set was built because of the Tarantino movie because he has such a big following. And you know how movies are. Some, it sparks interest in certain things right. for you know about a, month or, about a month or so after the movie, and then it dies down again. So I have a feeling right after the movie comes out, my numbers are going to shoot up because what, of the interest. What is the name of the YouTube channel again? Spawn Ranch Worker. Spawn Ranch Worker. And if people are interested in going on that tour with you, can you tell them your email address again? Yeah, the, the name of the tour is called the Helter Skelter Lies Tour. It's August 2nd through August 9th, and my email is stoner420fox at yahoo.com. Um, just let me know um, what days you're going to be in L.A., what days you want to you know, be there. We have an itinerary for every single day. Um, the second, actually, <laughs> honestly, August second actually is the day we're all meeting. So we're not really doing anything on that particular day except just meeting up and then having dinner. The, the tour actually starts the very next day on the third. <laughs> cool, man. So uh, it was Bruce, the Spawn Ranch worker. Thank you very much for the interview. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thank you so all much. Right, take care. Okay. Bye bye.